Welcome everyone, we are about to begin Be'ezus Hashem, Shalom Bayesh, Shir number 103. I'm going to mention here a few more things that I saw in the books and lectures of Ramanus Friedman. Very insightful concepts about sexuality and how teenagers should view it and um, in a healthy way. So he said, very interesting, that... Um, a group of teenagers went to Rabbi Friedman and asked him how to keep kosher while on a canoe trip. Uh, kosher, you know, to, this should be, uh, you know, not treif chalila and, uh, and so on and so forth. And so he asked them who's going on this trip. So they told him four girls and four boys, four boys and four girls. So... Rabbi Freeman said, I can't help you. It's already not kosher. So they asked uh, him, what do you mean? So he said, you have four boys and four girls going along in, in the wilderness on a canoe trip is not kosher. So one of the kids got a very offended. Kid said, you know, we've been doing this for years. We grew up together. We went to g- kindergarten together. Every year we go on a canoe trip. We don't misbehave. We don't do anything wrong. In fact, we we often share sleeping bags and uh, nothing happens. So (laughs) Rabbi Friedman told them, in that case, you don't really need to see a rabbi. You need to see a shrink, a psychiatrist, because you're in big trouble. What do you mean by that? What he meant was is that when teenagers casually dismiss the sexual side of the male-female relationship and just says, oh, we're just friends, that's not a myla, it's not a positive thing. It's actually a negative thing. It's, it's, a, it's a loss. If you don't, you know, you, you, they lost their ability to be naturally sexual. A human being is a sexual being. But what we do with it depends on who we are, how we were raised, what we believe, what we were taught, society. But each of us inherently is aware of our own sexuality unless we stifle it, unless we break it. And um, it's not healthy to break. It's part of our nature. We have to control it and behave as such. But... That is what the Torah teaches us, by the way, when it tells us that we have an Isser Yichud. What is, a, what is the Torah telling us? The Torah is saying that a man and a woman alone together is a sexual event, even if nothing else happens. And that's the Hilchas Yichud. Moshe Rabbeinu couldn't be alone, uh, be alone with uh, Sarah Eishas Avraham Avinu. That would be a sexual event. The question is, what people such high madrega like Moshe Rabbeinu and Sarah Yimeinu, what, what do they need these rules for? You know, that they're, they're decent people, tzaddikim, and certainly, you know, can't they be trusted to behave themselves? But the aside really here is, it has nothing to do with misbehaving. Uh, we're not saying that they can't be trusted, these two people in a locked room. And who knows what may happen if we leave them alone? Wouldn't expect Moshe Rabbeinu and Sarah being together or doing anything wrong or even having a, a slight machshava zara. 
but their being alone together would be a violation of modesty. The very fact that we find this so, I mean, the very fact that we find this so difficult to understand shows that our sexual nature has been dulled. And that dullness of feeling is what enables, in this case with these teenagers, to sleep together without acting on their sexual feelings. Not because they're tzaddikim, you know, like Yosef HaTzadik, but because their feelings are dead to it. You know, these days especially, it's crazy. You know, there's no difference between boys and girls and so on and so forth. But that's not the way Hashem made it inherently. And He made it where there is a sexual aspect to our personalities, where there is naturally an attraction between a man and a woman, and therefore it's important to have that self-control and to create that distance and use it only when it's meant to be used in marriage. So sexuality is an ability, it has to be protected, it has to be cultivated, and um, that's very, very important. And um, some therapists actually treat sexual dysfunction uh, between couples. They give advice in the beginning, don't touch each other for two weeks, uh, which is pretty much what the terror tells you. And this, why not? Not even to shake hands. Uh, shaking hands is sexual. Yeah, it's sexual. And, um, you know, and, and that makes sense. You shake your hands with a man, a woman with a man, and you hold on a second too long, she begins to feel uncomfortable. Why? Just a handshake. But that's the way it is. And um, this... Um, idea that you would find the, the this connection exciting is a healthy thing. We can't act upon it. But the fact that you have it is a healthy thing. That's why we have a mechitza, by the way. Again, you know, some reform people or conservative people don't understand this. You know, you're in a shul, they say. They're there to daven. Erlich. You know, so why are you making a mechitza for? You know, you, you need a wall to prevent you from sinning for with, with each other. Uh, you, you're such perverts that you can't concentrate on tefillah. Uh, the only way you can do it is to have that, that wall. And again, this is where Friedman says this to explain it. The purpose of that mechitza in shul is not to prevent arayas that's going to take place between the aisles if there's no mechitza. Um... Yes, at the lowest base level, yeah, you create a mechitza so there should be no no sinning. But that's not the main reason why you have a mechitza in a shul, or mechitza in general. It's deeper than that. It's not to handcuff people from misbehaving. You know, it's not like a shul with a mechitza saying, you know, you guys are, you people are animals, so I need to put uh, this, just like you have a cage to prevent the tiger from coming out and attacking, you need this mechitza so that this they shouldn't behave like animals. No, that's not the reason. It's more subtle than that. It's deeper than that. The purpose of it is to preserve and protect 
our sense of sexuality, which we don't squander. If we, you know, we can squander it if we're not careful, and we can't squander it. And this creates that honoring that. And um, that's very, very important. Every interaction between a male and a female should be recognized as a potential sexual encounter. That's why if a door is locked and a man and woman find themselves alone in a room, that's a sexual event, like we said. And if you find yourself in such a situation, then you have to acknowledge you're in a male-female relationship. And um, that's very, very important to know. And if you feel that attraction, you have to put a distance between yourselves. Like we talked about in the Shiorim, when we talked about uh, men and women in the workplace and outside of, you know, being outside of the home. And, but, you, you know, you can't pretend that it doesn't exist. And um, you don't avoid, you avoid talking about intimate subjects. And, you know, and you could be a mensch at work, you know, and discuss work and be a mensch and polite and work, you know, but you don't go al- alone off to- on a canoe trip like in the case with Rabbi Friedman and those teenagers. Uh, you've got to avoid topics that may initiate or strengthen feelings of sexuality. And um, if those feelings get out of hand, you break it off immediately. Sorry, uh, you know, and you go the opposite direction. This is, this cannot happen. So, but why? Again, because there's a sacredness to it. It's meant to be used a certain way, and you're honoring it by putting these borders in and being what we call restrictive, that mechitza that not going on a canoe trip together, that not being alone, a man and a woman together, and being very careful with these things, develops that feeling of real intimacy that Hashem wants a human being to feel when he's married with his own wife. And again, it has to be protected, it has to be cultivated, it has to be nurtured, it has to be preserved. And that's where Tzniyas comes in. That's where borders come in. And um, the whole idea of covering the hair and the whole idea of, of the separation. And again, with Tzniyas, people make a mistake. They think it's the purpose is to be ugly. So my purpose is not to be ugly or unattractive. It's to be beautiful and to be attractive and to be impressive. But when you dress modestly, you're not dressing modestly so that you should become less attractive. You're preserving something that's fragile and easily lost. It's a special gift. And you're preserving that gift. That's what you're doing. And, um, and that's what it is. A married woman needs to reserve her intimacy for her husband. And a married man needs to reserve his intimacy for his wife. And this only can only occur if there's a framework of modesty all around you. And uh, again, people take it the wrong way. You know, people go overboard with it sometimes, and they mean 
Sometimes they mean well, sometimes maybe not so. Sometimes it's misinterpreted. But again, if you are putting up these borders, which we should be putting up, those mechitzas in shul or, or by weddings, especially during dancing and things like that, they're not meant to be, be mean. They're not meant to be saying you're animals. No. It's a way to preserve healthy intimacy. And it's a covet. It's not a negative. And that's something that many don't understand. But if you truly think about it in a very deep way, what Rabbi Friedman told these teenagers was this very fact, is that the fact that you desensitize, it should be the fact that you, you four girls, four boys go and you don't feel anything, that's a problem. That shows there's something wrong. You got desensitized. It's more natural that you do feel something, and because you feel something, you know that for now you cannot, be on, you cannot take those trips together because of that feeling. And you preserve it for the right time and the right place and the right person. Have a wonderful day.